Hello and welcome to Yaf Podcast, the yet another Final Fantasy podcast. A podcast where I go through each Final Fantasy game, uh, section by section, chapter by chapter, and then record a podcast about it. Uh, this is Season 4, Episode 9, which means that we're playing Final Fantasy 4, and this is... Well, what do I want to name this episode? I guess I'm going to name this episode The Babel Tower Ascent. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. I think that's a solid name. A lot of these chapters don't really have, or a lot of these quests don't really have like a definitive name that it could go by. In the wiki, they call this the Tower of Babel Part 2. But we're not just going through the Tower of Babel. So if you all remember in the last episode, we went, I went all the way up. Well, not all the way up. I went like halfway up the Tower of Babel and I fa- uh, fought Dr. Lugay. Um, when I, after defeating Dr. Lugay, uh, he started the cannons that would attack the Dwarven Kingdom. Uh, we had to stop the cannons. Yang sacrificed himself to stop the cannon. Um, I don't really understand why he had to sacrifice himself or what his sacrifice actually did. That's a little bit of a confusing one. And I watched that cutscene several times over. I'm like, did I forget what happened? No, he's like, I'm going to take care of this. Kicks everybody out the door, closes the door, and things blow up. Um, and then we jump out of the tower, and we are saved by Sid, uh, who flies up with his airship. Now, Sid also sacrifices himself. He jumps out of the ship with grenades to close the like to close up the hole that leads to the above ground. So I guess he didn't want Golbez and the rest of the army to go up through that hole, which is a kind of a weird thing. So just a quick recap, um, we're currently in the underground and I guess Sid wanted to make sure that nobody from the underground goes to the above ground, including Golbez and his army by sealing up the hole that we went down by. But Yeah, just to recap, when we went down into the underground the first time, right, like, I was in my airship, I flew above the mountains where the big hole opened up to the underground, flew down into the underground, the Red Wings were already there, so it's not like the Red Wings used that hole to close things up. I'm guessing maybe Sid just didn't want anybody to follow us and try to destroy the airship as we're flying away with seven of the crystals, I guess? Oh man, seven of the crystals, right? I think I did that, didn't I? I thought I took all the crystals. Maybe I didn't. No, that's right. I have not yet taken up all the crystals. It's This is getting confusing. So why did he close it up? Oh well, anyway, so after that happened, well, I went back to Baron. Um, by the way, there is, a, there is a neat feature in this game that does help you figure out where to go next, and it's just in the pause menu. Um, one of the characters, in our, or I guess Sid, has this, there's a speech bubble that says something like, oh, hey, maybe we should check out Baron, or maybe we should, or, you know, the ship is not working entirely well. We need to figure out how to fly over magma so we could get to the sealed cave and things like that. Um, so, yeah, anyway, so we get a hover attachment in Baron, which is like this huge grappling hook that can lift up the hovercraft. We obtain it from Sid's workers. It looks like Sid commissioned it before he died. Um, I take... I took the hovercraft that was parked... Where was it? I think the last time we used it... I guess the only time we used it was to access a cave that was back in... That was back in when we saved Edward in his castle when his... When Anna died. 
That's right. So this was like earlier, way, way earlier in the game. It is interesting how this game does call back to earlier location in the locations in the game. So like in Final Fantasy 1, you would rarely revisit one of the way older locations. Like you wouldn't go to the first castle or the second or the third all the way, you know, closer to the end of the game. In Final Fantasy 2, you re- revisited a lot of places, but at one point, essentially half the world was inaccessible because of the dreadnought. And in Final Fantasy 3, there was a little bit of back and forth, but not a lot. So in this game, there is a li- definitely like reusing um, older locations, which I'm a fan of. I always like that, uh, as long as it's not like annoying, meaning that there isn't enough space between using a location that you don't feel like you're trapped to one location. So I picked up the hovercraft and I went all the way to Eblen. Now, I've been calling it Elben through the past few episodes, I apologize, it's Eblen. I don't know why, I just, those two letters got mixed up in my head, and then every time I wrote it down, I wrote Elben instead of Eblen. Uh, I, yeah, that's, it, I guess it happens. I didn't need to go to the, the Eblen Castle, because the Eblen Castle, I already went through, and we know it was, it was raided, Rubicant was discussing it. Uh, so I went into the Eblon Cave. Now, the, the only way to get to the Eblon Cave is to drop off your hovercraft next to Eblon Castle and use the hovercraft to fly across like the rocky water all the way to Eblon Cave. Eblon Cave had a little town that the, I, I guess, the refugees from Eblon Castle used as their town so you can uh there are a bunch of ninjas so this is a ninja town just like yang's town was more like a karate karate master town or or like a martial arts master town this one is like a ninja town Uh, you can buy all kinds of cool stuff in the town it is all underground i've mentioned it many times but i like these underground towns there's something about it that i really enjoy and i kind of wish that well, I hope that one day we see some of these underground towns be very, like, busy and prosperous, right? Like, I'm thinking about the town that was in the Devil's Road that was connecting Mycidia and Baron. And uh, they're, you know, they said, like, oh, you know, usually it used to be bustling with trade and everything. And I thought, how cool would it be if you went to one of these underground towns and you just kept meeting random merchants from all over the world and going to other towns that connect to it. In this case, it wasn't it. This was more of like a provisional, you know, let's set up somewhere so that we have a home because of our castle was dis- destroyed, essentially. So we explore the town and we can keep going down Eblon Cave once we explore the town and we soon run across a new character, a ninja, that fights against Rubicant. So Rubicant is in this cave. Uh, the ninja named Edge tries to fight against them and says like, hey, I, I need to like, you know, save my town. Rubicant, if you remember, is the character that led the attack to Eblen, on El- Eblen. Um, but the ninja character dies and not dies, he gets defeated. And Rubicant says, you know, hey, you're strong, but not powerful enough. I look forward to fighting you again. This is kind of a weird trope in JRPGs where enemies let the, let a character live because they look forward to fighting them at fuller strength. Maybe there's some kind of honor in that. But it's interesting that this is a very, I see this in like anime. I see this in JRPGs. I see this in manga. I see this in, you know, um, I want to say, 
I want to say media that uh, that makes its way out of Japan uh, to the uh, to the West, right? So I I don't know I don't know enough about Japanese culture, but I wonder like if it is a very honorable thing to say like Hey, look, you're challenging my skills. I know you can get stronger and challenge my skills even further, so I'm gonna let you live. Edge uh, Edge gets defeated. We save him. He's kind of like I don't need anybody, and then he joins the party. Uh, he. We find out that Rubicat is an elemental archfiend, so that that whole theme is still staying in this game. I think Rubicant, they said that Rubicant is the strongest of the archfiends, so I think he will be the last that we fight. I can't recall like all of them, because it's it's like, was it an archfiend or was it a demon? Was it you know, was Dr. Luge an archfiend? I don't think so, right? I know that the creature that was inhabiting or pretending to be the king of Baron was an archfiend. Who else? Was that monster in the on the mountain of ordeals on Mount Ordeals? What was he a an archfiend? I think he was. I just don't know what what kind of an archfiend he was. Anyway, so Edge joins the party. Edge is a ninja, and so here are some a couple of interesting things about him as a character, as like the class. I never really played ninja bef before. I played a ninja in the first, uh, in the first game where you don't really have any special things having to do with the character being a ninja. Like, you know, in the first game, you don't have those special abilities that you have in this game. Um, so in this game, Edge being ninja meant that he uses two weapons, like two daggers or something. He can throw weapons. Um, I am aware of that existing in Final Fantasy III as well. Throwing a weapon is basically like using a weapon one time, but dealing a lot of damage. I had a few shurikens, so I actually did try those later on in the game, and I'll talk about that a little bit. And, and then also Edge has this thing called ninjutsu. So ninjutsu is described as like this black magic of ninjas. So he can inflict flame damage as if casting fire. Uh, it's really bizarre. I, I actually can't even remember if it uses MP or if it does not. Because it's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit, I don't know, it's interesting to use... Um, to have this mechanic where Edge is not a spellcaster, but has these spellcaster abilities and becomes a little bit more like a versatile character. Uh, he he can't cast any white style magic, so there's no like healing or anything. It's all damage. As we make our way through Eblen Cave, we actually find ourselves at a an entrance to um, the Tower of Babel. So the cave, the Eblen Cave, was actually just a passage for us to get to the Tower of Babel. Uh, we find ourselves in basement one floor and with no way to get into the actual building. So it looks like there is like a road, or not a road, but a, a path that goes into Eblen Cave and goes parallel to the tower itself. Um, Edge uses his ninjutsu to teleport, teleport through the wall with the entire party. This is, a, again, kind of a weird mechanic, but this is one I believe Rydia tells us that it, you know, this is just like black magic. As we ascend the Tower of Babel, again, um, I, that's why I was thinking of calling this episode Tower of Babel Ascent or Second Ascent or something. Uh, we find ourselves fighting against the king and a queen. So Ange is actually the prince of Eblen Castle. Uh, we hear a lot of the people in the town right, the Eblon Cave town, 
talk about the prince basically avenging or saving them. Um, so this is kind of like Emblen's first initial arc. We fight against the king and queen. The king and queen are being controlled by Rubicant or somebody. I think it was by Rubicant. And they are really powerful enemies. Uh, one of them looks like, well, they tra transform into monsters, so they look a little bit different than people. Um, but at some point, they decide to sacrifice themselves. And, you know, they're like, well, you know, Eblen, another Eblen, but they tell Edge that he needs to, I guess, defeat Rubicant. And they sacrifice themselves, and we fight against Rubicant. Uh, Rubicant is a fairly difficult character. Again, he, he is, um, well, I don't actually know how big he is because in the fight he looks like he's really tall like an adult and my characters look like children uh, but in the the outside of a battle Rubicand looks like he's as tall as everybody else unlike Golbez who whose character model really does look like it's several times bigger even outside of battle so we find Rubicand we destroy Rubicand we, we kill him. There is a mechanic where he like drops his cloak or something. And eventually we make our way, like we defeat Rubicant, we make our way to the crystal chamber right behind. And this is where I kind of spoiled it somewhat all the way at the beginning of this episode when I was recalling the, um, the last episode. We are about to grab the crystals and make our way out, you know, you know, good end to the story, but there is a trapdoor. We walk into the trapdoor, we fall down, and we fall down like several levels below. Um, at this point, we uh, we find ourselves actually closer to where we were in Tower of ba Babel in the previous episode. So we are above ground, we fall into a, we are above ground, enter the crystal chamber, and we fall through, and we fall through all the way to the unreachable areas in the basement. I don't know if I actually mentioned this, but as you go through the basement map uh, in the previous episode, so in the first ascent to Tower of Babel and to fight Dr. Lugay, there are, you can see that there are parts of the map that you can't reach. And I thought they were accessible through that locked door that led to the cannons, but it's not. In effect, this is how it's accessible. We fall through the trap door and reach, we reach our unreachable areas. Eventually walking through, and I believe we're actually des descending further down and ac accessing all of these like hidden map areas until we find ourselves in front of an enemy airship. This is when we steal the enemy airship and the characters feel uneasy about it, not because they're stealing, but because it's the enemy airship. And finally, we make our way back to the king of Gia uh, the king Giot in the Dwarven Kingdom. The Dwarven Kingdom is fine. It looks like they, the cannons never made it, like never actually attacked the kingdom. And the King Giot uh, tells us that Golbaz is trying to open the sealed cave. Uh, Giot asks his child Luca, and this is, I think, the first instance of seeing a Luca in the Square Enix franchise, as far as I know. I know there's a Luca in Chrono Trigger, and I think there is a Luca like further on in some of the other games and becomes like a common name, I believe. I'm not 100% sure, but you know, I'll probably point it out. Um, and Luca gives, um, gives Giot her necklace. And it turns out the necklace opens the sealed cave. Um, so the idea is that we have to 
we have to unseal the sealed cave and get the crystal before Golbez. The, so the initial plan to steal the seven other crystals didn't work out. We fell through the trap door. Uh, but the the next problem they're facing is that this ship, this this enemy airship that we're using, doesn't actually like it can't get a, get to the cave because of magma. So it can only fly above like regular ground. Uh, this is when we find out that Sid is back. We can go see Sid in the infirmary, or I guess in the basement of the castle where I, it I think it is the infirmary, um, and Sid. And uh, Sid, Sid says, like, you know, he's going to help uh, fix up the enemy airship to make sure that uh, we can fly over magma. The nurses try to stop him. And then Sid is like, hey, but why don't you if you help me, the sooner you help me, the sooner I can get back in bed. So it's kind of a weird thing. But he asked the hospital nurses to help fix up the ship. And so the hospital nurses and Sid are running all around on the airship, fixing it up. And he finally passes out right after he fixes the ship, which is just hilarious. It's it's just like these little moments in this game that take off the seri seriousness of what's going on, right? Like, it's the end of the world. Um, Rubicant just killed Eblen's, not Eblen's, but Edge's parents. So much death, and Edge just kind of glosses over it, you know. Um, I'm sure he said a few words when they sacrificed themselves, but you don't really hear much about it after this mission. Um, you also, I, I'm, I don't know if you actually get to play Sid again after this, just like with Edward, uh, you get, in this game there are these things called upgrades, and you can assign them to your characters, and when you assign a character an upgrade, it's like a, it's a special ability that you put into their slot, and a lot of characters have like these built-in upgrades, so back in the days of, um, the two kids, I don't remember their names anymore, Palum and Parum, or something like that. Palum and Parum, they had a special ability called Twin Cast, where they could cast a spell together. I believe you actually got a an upgrade called Dual Cast from them, that allows you to do something similar. You can also get a Cover upgrade that allows you to cover somebody. Uh, Cecil has this kind of built in, and you get the Analyze upgrade from Sid, which is his upgrade that I, I think it's just like Libra the the spell and then you have is it just the upgrade upgrade because what it does is it upgrades your weapon with elemental damage by using one of the spell items right like you have wrath of Zeus or Zeus's wrath which allows you to cast lightning and if you use that on your weapon your your weapon suddenly gains lightning damage I jumped into the ship as soon as it was repaired, and I flew around and explored the entire map. And this is kind of, we get a second overworld map, and an unlocked second overworld map. We find, I found a few, um, I want to say, side quests along the way. So the first one of them is that there is a cave, I guess it's a monster cave, which is the path of the Eidolons. So this is the way to get to Feymarch, which is where Rydia stayed for several years, which didn't actually, that there were several years in Feymarch, or Feymarsh, yeah, Feymarsh, but they were only a short amount of time in the re regular world. We also find the Sealed Cave, obviously. We find the Sylph Cave. I don't know what the Sylph Cave is. There's Kokol's Forge, which 
is a forge of a really famous dwarf, I guess, or a really famous blacksmith that can forge like the ultimate weapon, but he needs adamantite. This is again following the last four games where you find a special material that a master forger can build a really powerful weapon out of. Um, there are a few different towns. There's the Tamra, or a couple of towns, I think. There's the Tamra town, and that's the town that we actually need. And in Tamra town, um, I actually didn't go in there yet, um, but it is a place where you can buy brand new uh, equipment, and I believe you can do... Yeah, you get a lot of brand new equipment at this point. It's also su suggested to actually go do the side quest, the Cave of Monsters, which is the I Path of the Eidolons. Uh, it is at this point where uh, I was looking through the side quest, but it is as at this point where you want to do the side quests and get new summons, right? Like this, is, it, it kind of follows the, the mechanics of the previous games where you need to defeat like Odin and Bahamut and... Uh, Leviathan in order to get their abilities. So we should be able to find Leviathan in the Cave of Monster of Summoned Monsters, which is the Path of Eidolons in the 3D version. That's about it for this episode. Um, it was it was story packed. Um, I feel like the next episode is going to be way longer because I'm probably going to do some of these side quests. I considered making a separate episode for just the side quest, but I'm pretty sure that each side quest is essentially go down a cave, defeat a big monster, and you're done. I enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed playing this part of the game. Uh, it is interesting to have these like bosses and side bosses. It really does feel like your party is losing, no matter how much luck they have, how strong they are, how they can defeat the enemy. I mean, at this point, we've already defeated all the all the big bosses, right? We've defeated Golbez, but Golbez, uh, at the lot, you know, he got up after we thought we defeated him, and with the last of his strength, got the crystal and, and teleported away. We defeated Rubicant, and I actually can't remember if he did survive in the end or not, because it's it's one of those things where, you know, it's it's pretty easy for a boss to survive and and. Uh, somehow teleport away or something right like i wonder if we're gonna ru run across rubicant in the future we want for like dr luge because dr luge uh i believe used like self-destruct on himself or something and again we revisited areas that we w went to right like we revisited the tower of babel except like the the other side of each map so we do walk by where we've fought Dr. Luge, we just can't get get to it because it's across like a chasm uh, within the tower itself. I don't think there's much more to say. I've mentioned it before and I'll mention it again. Once you open this game and you play for five minutes, uh, especially at this point in the game, it's really hard to stop playing. And I had to stop myself playing to, so just so I could record these episodes. So I'm probably going to like binge through the rest of the game and then regret it because I'm going to have to go back and record episodes and then try to remember exactly what happened. It's it's like a ridiculous, vicious cycle of the game. Yeah, I apologize. I, I looked back into it and it looks like Rubicant does escape after being defeated so it's not even like up for question it was another one of those you know hey we will meet again you know when i when you're more powerful or something and and that was pretty much it but that's it for this episode it is a little bit of a shorter episode especially for final fantasy for these final fantasy 4 episodes that have been so much longer than the previous episodes i mean so much stuff happens 
you know, I think back to the days of Final Fantasy 2, and I'm editing Final Fantasy 2 right now and about to finish the season. I've been releasing the episodes one by one. And in that game, at least throughout most of the game, you just go down one cave and that's it. You don't go down to one cave and fight a boss and that's it. And then later on in the game, I guess it becomes the same as here, where you, you are more likely to go through like three or four caves in a single chapter of the story, right? Like we went through Emblem Cave, we went up Tower of Babel, we had to cross the overworld and get to the Dwarven Kingdom. It, and we fought Rubicant, we fought the King and Queen, um, we fought, I guess that's all wh whom we fought. Uh, I'm wondering where this game will lead. Uh, it's, it's obvious to me now that that tunnel or not the tunnel but the gate to f get to the moon i think that's gonna happen i mean i can kind of see by the names of the episode or by the names of the chapters in the wiki that we definitely make it to the moon but it, it's not that hard to guess that that's what's gonna happen i mean can you imagine having this as a concept and then not exploring it, not going to the moon? It would be really weird and people would end up wondering, well, what was on the moon? Maybe there should be a sequel. And these games do not work as sequels, right? Like the Final Fantasy games, um, they're all separate. And then I know that there is a Final Fantasy IV sequel, but they came out way, way later after the original game. It came out after the 3D remake. So that should tell you something. Uh, about the game, right? Like that, it's it was supposed to be standalone, and there's no way we're not gonna explore it. I am wondering again: is there gonna be another boss in this game? We already defeated Rubicand, we've defeated Golbaz. What is gonna? I mean, I'm not really sure who we're gonna face next. Is I guess Golbaz with eight crystals and or or with the special lunar magic, whatever that might be. We still haven't found out who Cecil's parents are. We still haven't found out who that voice on the on mount ordeals was i mean it's supposed to be one of his parents but who is that we don't know who cecil is like what special role he plays uh like we know he's we were told in mycidia like i was told in mycidia that cecil is probably like the chosen one that balances the dark and the light right like he's anakin skywalker ha huh? uh and he went to the dark side and now he's on the on the light side and it, it's just it's there are still so many unknowns and i think we're gonna find out about all of this as soon as we get to the moon if that is what's gonna happen anyways that's it for today i'm gonna go ahead and head head out to play more of this game i'm gonna go defeat Golbez in the sealed cave though i'll probably spend a lot of time trying to get all the summons. I found that in the past games, even if you don't get the summons, you at some point get the opportunity to buy a tome. But in this game, there are no tomes. So I'm not really sure how Rydia would find, you would learn to summon Odin, Bahamut, and Leviathan, which are the three summons that you always have to like defeat if they're all present in this game. I'm not sure how she would learn them without me defeating them. Uh, like in the previous games, you, I, I didn't know this, but at some point you kind of figure out that even if you don't defeat the, the great monsters, you find the spells that let you summon them anyway later on in the game. So it, defeating them was more, for me at least, for like getting experience and being able to summon them earlier than when they're available at a shop, essentially. Anyways, that's it. So you can follow me on Twitter, on twitter.com slash yafpodcast. You can 
you know, leave a review, a rating. I would appreciate that. Tell your friends who like Final Fantasy that there's a podcast going through each one of the Final Fantasy games. And I will see you next time.